Well, if you'd like, you can go ahead and open up your Bibles to uh, Luke chapter 18. <clears throat> We're going to look at a number of different verses, but you can, we can start there. Luke 18. The topic I'd like to speak about today is uh, intercessory prayer. Just some encouragements <clears throat> in intercessory prayer. And just I just want to read a few verses here. Ephesians 6.18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So it's, it's mentioned there, basically asking God on behalf of the brethren there. It says all prayer mentioned as well. <clears throat> Second Corinthians 10.4, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh or not carnal but have divine power to destroy strongholds. And word of God, certainly, but also, I think, definitely, intercessory prayer is included in that. Second Corinthians one eleven, Paul, encouraging the church, you also must help us by prayer. He's saying, when you pray, there's real help happening. That you asking God on behalf of us for grace or whatever it may be. You also must help us by prayer. So that the, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. And intercessory prayer. That's my goal this morning, just to encourage us in that. It's not the only type of prayer, right? Intercessory prayer. As we stand in the gap for others, we go to God asking Him for, to do things in people's lives, to do things in, in the world for the sake of His own name, for the good of other people. It's not the only type of prayer, but it is, it is a glorious aspect of our prayer life, isn't it? That we would be called in this, to, to pray. And I'm not speaking to you this morning as, as someone who's an expert in the area or anything like that, but someone who also would like to be encouraged uh, in my own prayer life in these ways, in intercessory, in intercessory prayer. So here's some encouragements here, and I think it's right to start with Luke 18. Very right to start with this. Luke 18, 1 and 8, 1 through 8, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and to not lose heart. He said, and it's a temptation, isn't it, to lose heart in prayer. Different seasons can be more prayer. Here's some encouragements, though. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man, And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, the Lord Jesus said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And this is a good place to start, I think, because you notice what Christ is doing here. You know, what is this parable called typically? The heading in your Bible is not inspired, right? We put that, people put that in there to kind of sum up what's going on in this parable. The parable of the persistent widow. 
But I think certainly the widow is a character in this parable that we can learn from. But what is Christ ultimately doing in this thing? His main, she is not the main character. I think it would be better to call this parable the parable of the prayer answering God or the parable that teaches us about the prayer answering God. You see Jesus' reasoning, if you notice there. He talks about this wicked king that... Or this wicked judge. He neither feared God nor respected man. It's like there's hardly any common grace even in this guy's life. He doesn't, he's like, you know, he's like the Scrooge of the judge category or whatever, you know. That he's just wicked man. He doesn't care about anybody, no regard. He basically grants this widow's request, basically like, get out of, get out of my face. Like, I'm tired of hearing about all this. I'll do it. All right, whatever. Just leave me alone. But then, so what Christ is doing in verse 6 is that he says, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect? The comparison there. In other words, to say, if this wicked judge can be won over, he doesn't even care about anybody, how much more is the teaching there? How much more the Lord is going to respond? The Lord who does care deeply about He's the exact opposite of how the judge is. How much more is he going to respond to the prayers of his people? So when Jesus seeks to get out and encourage his people to pray, what does he do? He's, he points to God himself, doesn't he? That we might always pray and not lose heart. He points to God and said, he's the exact opposite like that judge. Yes, learn from the widow. Be persistent. Come knocking. But also be expectant, right? That he's the exact opposite. And he, how much more is he going to respond to the prayers of his people the God who loves to answer prayer I mean that is true I mean who put all these verses in our Bible about prayer ultimately it was God wasn't it and it it is him encouraging us in every verse that you see there on prayer whether it be an example whether it be a, a direct command in prayer about him responding he wants us to know that he's a God who acts for those who wait for him, the God who waiting on him in prayer, asking for him, believing in him, taking his promises uh, back to him, as it were, and believing and asking him to do things in the world, to do things in people's lives, to do things in this world for his glory and for the good of man. I mean, he is that way. And there is a need for constant encouragement in that way, right? A daily reminder that he is a God who answers prayer. And he says that in verse 8, I think it's a a thought for us. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? You know, one brother put it like this. Well, here's this laid out before us, this banquet of just this encouragement and prayer. But will anybody really believe this? Will anybody really take this home to their own heart and and be before God in intercessory prayer in a real in a real way, asking God to do things in the earth? And there is there is a barrier. There are all kinds of barriers for this. Of course, we could talk about, but I think one that hits us right home where we are is for those of us uh, believing deeply in the sovereignty of God. In that, there's always a need for a reminder, isn't there? to make sure that we're balanced in this area, that though God be sovereign and he is in control of everything and he has ordained absolutely everything before the foundation of the world and he's going to do it, the glory of the Lord is going to you know, cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. It's going to happen, but yet at the same time we need to remember that the means by which God does that, a means by which God does that is 
intercessory prayer, isn't it? That he's ordained, he's ordained that. And I think one way to put it, I don't know if it's completely right to say it like this, but it kind of helps me. If I really have understood the sovereignty of God, that it ought to make me pray more. Because if we really understand that God can do anything, right? That he is completely sovereign over all things. He holds the, the hearts of kings in his hand. He has the nations. He says like there in Isaiah 43, he says to, to, the, to the nations, give up. And they give up. Bring my sons and daughters from afar. My people that I've created for my own glory. That God speaks and whole nations can come to Christ, right? That this sovereign God who can do anything, who is working in the earth, if I really understand that, then it's going to, make, it's going to encourage me to want to pray because I'm going to go to the one who has no need. With all this need in the world, all the need in my own life, the need in the church, the need for the, for the gospel to go forth, I'm going to go to the one who has no need. Not only has no need, it has the power to pull it off, right? It's one way we could think about it. I think Paul... The Apostle Paul is definitely a good example for us in this. Rich theology, deep belief in the sovereignty of God. But yet you look at Paul, look at how he, look at how he treats prayer. He, do, he does not have a kind of attitude about it that he's sitting back and just basking in the glory of God and God's going to do this thing. He rests in that. That is a great you know, pillow for the Christian's head. That is beautiful. We rest in that reality. But look at Paul. He's praying. He said, pray for us. You know, different letters. Pray for us. He, what, he says here in 2 Corinthians 1.11, he says, pray for, help us by prayer. He believes that when God's people pray, help comes that would have not come if they had not prayed. Even in all of his understanding of election, that he, taught, he laid it out there in Romans 9, right? right? He's talking about God... Jacob I love, Esau I've hated, all this thing. God has a people for himself. And yet at the same time, in the same letter, not too far from that passage, what's he saying? My heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they might be saved. Right? And I, I think that sometimes in, with us, with the doctrine of election in that, it actually, our misunderstanding of that squelches prayer for the, for the lost. Right, but God uses prayer. Right, look at the example of the Apostle Paul. My prayer for God for them is that they might be saved. And all the time he's looking out at the Ephesians. Right, he's praying. He sees their need to see more and more glory in Christ and in the gospel. And he says, "For this reason, I bow my knee before the Father." Right, I'm bowing my knee that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. He's laboring in prayer. And that's, that was the key to his love to the brethren, I think, you know, that you look, you see that in Paul. He's before the throne of grace being used of God on their behalf. And it's right for us to believe that as well as we're praying that we would be used of God in that way too. So encouragements, right? That God is a God who answers prayer, right? We need to be balanced in all this and we need to see our great the great glory and the great privilege of prayer. The great glory. Have you ever thought about it? It's so, in a way, it's so natural for us to pray as as believers. It's so it's so common in a way. We've been even after you've been a Christian for some months. It's very natural to pray, isn't it? 
But yet, it's such a glorious thing, the fact that we pray. I mean, the privilege of it all. I mean, God's not only going to save a people for himself. He snatches us out of the devil's kingdom. He puts us in the kingdom of his son, of his beloved son. He saves us. That would be glory enough, right? That would be, wow, amazing glory. Praise the Lord the rest of our days. But not only that, but he says, but I'm also going to do this aspect. I'm also going to put a gift also in their hands. What is that gift? The gift of prayer. The gift of intercessory prayer. I'm going to invite my people to come in with me, to join me in this work that I'm doing in the world, and I'm going to give them the great privilege of being used by me in prayer. I want them to be a part of this whole thing, of what I'm doing in the world. A great privilege and a glory. Not only salvation, but this glorious gift of prayer, and if you look at Roman, if you look at Revelation chapter eight, verse one and one through five, it says, "When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and the seven trumpets were given to them. And the angel and another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers." with the prayers of the saints on the golden altar before the throne. A golden altar before the throne. This imagery, what's in it? Right? The prayers of the saints. Incense offered a beautiful thing to God, our prayers. And the smoke of this incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder rumblings, flashes of lightnings, and an earthquake. Ultimately, what's being said here is that God's, God uses his people's prayers to ultimately bring, out, bring about the final consummation. You know, John Piper has a good message on, on this text if you ever want somebody to explain it better to you there. But, like, think about that. God uses the individual believers, the corporate believers, their prayers to ultimately bring about the end, the end of the age and the consummation of all things. That's big, right? Your prayers. I mean, your prayers, my prayers. So we need to realize the privilege of it. This access that we have before God, this access to be able to stand before a king and speak to him with freedom, right? Where once we were trembling and we should have ran and hid, Right now, with confidence in Christ, holy and blameless before him, we stand before God and we're able to have free discourse with the Almighty and say, Lord, do this. Lord, do that. Lord, work in this way. And he says, yes, and I will do that. We need to pray realizing that. Pray realizing that it is a fight. That's helpful and encouragement in prayer. Realize that it is a fight. We do have... This verse in Ephesians chapter 6, 18, verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Where is that verse located at? In Ephesians chapter 6, where it says a little bit before in 11 through 13, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. 
Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. This, this verse about prayer is found in the midst of the, the description of the, of the battle that we're in, right? The war that we are in. And we would do well if we're going to pray right to realize that we, are in a, that we are in a real battle. That doesn't mean there's not joy and all that or whatever. There's restful days. Certainly that's the, that's the case. But God's people, we are to be engaged in this battle of prayer. It is our privilege, but if we're going to do that as, as well, rightly that we need to realize it is a real war there are powers and principalities that will oppose you when you set out to intercede in prayer some of you take this message and think i want to rekindle that in my life or i want to keep going on the way i've been going and believe in god well you need to know there there will be some opposition to that why is that not because we're so special we're so great it's because we're calling on the great one right when we God, with our little feeble prayers, as weak as they are, as the brother said, they are powerful in the, in the hand of our mighty inter- intercessor, right? Then when we pray, things happen, right? Th- powerful things happen. Like if you, if you were to see just in your own prayer life how much God has used your prayers, I mean, you may die for joy. You may not believe it. You may be tempted to doubt. Are you... Are you kidding that much? It is that way, brother. Far abundantly more than we could ask or think. If we could see how God has used our corporate prayer, our corporate prayer meetings and all that, just and the devil's going to oppose it, right? Why? He wants, he wants to keep the kingdom of Christ from advancing. We know that he makes war against the church, and a big, a big thing that he does not want the church, a big weapon he does not want the church to wield is intercessory prayer. He'll come against you. He'll come against you in the midst of your weaknesses. You're introspective. You try to, if you're more introspective, you try to set out and pray. You try to really lay hold of God on these things and, and pray for the nations and pray for different needs in the church and pray for the brethren and pray for salvation. You're really introspective. He may get you thinking, man, is this my motives even right in this? Was that even real prayer? Was there even real faith in that? I'm so distracted in this. If you're you're like that, he'll get you that way. If you're more about feelings, he'll get you feeling like, man, I don't even feel the way I should as I'm praying. Is Is this even doing anything? One brother that's over in East Asia, many of you know him. I was talking to him about this one time, and he said, if you really set out to pray, all hell's going to come against you. And it may be very subtle, and oftentimes it is. It may, it may be more than that. But don't fear that at all. Just keep on pressing on from that. You know, give yourself to pray, realizing that though all these condemnations come after you, whatever it may be, you keep on, and your prayers are mighty in God's hand. That's how it is, brethren. Keep persevering in it. Doubts from oppositions come. That's right. When you tempted to feel like, well, my feelings aren't in it. I don't feel like God is near. We, we fight with the word of God. Like Psalm 145, 18. The Lord is near to all who call upon him. You've never had a time of prayer when God, God is not near. He's always near. And that's such a key if we want to give ourselves an intercession that we need to do it with God, right? Realizing he is the God of all encouragement. When I set out to intercede and pray that God is there with me, encouraging me, helping me, giving me ideas, encouraging me in it when I get discouraged, he, we do it with God, right? The devil will tell you the exact opposite. It is, it is a fight to give ourselves in prayer. Not only just the spiritual battle of it, 
But just that it is real work, right? It is real work. It is can be draining to give yourself in prayer. Virtue goes out goes out of us, but it is a glorious work, isn't it? I mean, we see Epaphras, that godly man that he was, taking the gospel, it seems, to the Colossians for the first time. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature. And fully assured in all the will of God. This Epaphras, what's he doing? He's struggling in his prayer. That tells us something about prayer, right? That it is, that it is a struggle. I mean, it speaks, it speaks about his burden that he had, this burden and love for these people. Lord, work in their lives. Help them be mature. Go forth with this. But yet, we see something about it. It's a, it's, this word struggling is something about, he has, to be engaged in like a wrestling match or something like that. That's, that's what he's doing in prayer. That tells us something. And someone has said before that some people just don't pray, and a lot of times we just don't pray because we think that it's really easy for other people to pray. Right? We go out, we try to take a message like this. I'm going to start praying and think like, man, it just doesn't work for me. You know, like that other brother or it probably works for him. He probably doesn't have any struggle in prayer. That's not how it is. It is a real fight. It is real work. But it is a glorious work that we do with God. And just some, some practical things here, thinking about, thinking about prayer. Just, you know, you don't want to limit it just to one place. It is good to have a place. But also remember that as you're going about your day, your prayers are, are mighty to the Lord. You're, you're at work. You have a free moment praying for that brother, praying for that missionary, praying for that lost co-worker. It's something there. Praying for the, what to pray for. Praying for the saints, you know, praying, praying, God, show them more glory yourself. Know the different burdens that are in the church. Ask specific questions. How can I be praying for in, you, in your walk with Christ? How's it going? What are your temptations right now? Thinking about these things and then going home or throughout your day, I'm going to pray and wrestle. I'm going to wrestle in prayer for that brother, that sister in that way. Pray for the advancement of the kingdom, brethren. What a privilege. More and more laborers to be raised up. Pray specifically. Yeah, pray specifically so that you can see those answers to prayer. But don't feel bad about praying generally as well. Pray for the whole church, right? I mean, just wrap up everybody in there. Pray for all the Christians in the world if you want. You think God's not going to use that? It certainly will. Pray big. I mean, there's a place to pray big. Sometimes we think so small, right? God, save one person in this city of millions, right? God, save many people for your name. You know, Hudson Taylor, he's an example for us, that he set out to pray. He was asking God for a thousand missionaries, a thousand missionaries. Think about all what they did for the kingdom of Christ in their day, a thousand of them. A thousand Matt Wilkinsons, right? Would you like to have a thousand Mount Wilkins? But what did God do? God gave them those a thousand missionaries, right? Why not? Why shouldn't we pray like that? Why not pray? You know, why not pray big things for God? It's not it's it's not outdoing God in any way. There's grace and power as such. We can never ask too much. And we need to pray, brethren. Just as far as a practical thing, I'm kind of having to wrap this up here, but as far as a practical thing, mothers with the children and all that, 
You can pray with the children, right? You can intercede. You don't have a free moment very much. You can intercede for the children. Husbands, you can give your wives opportunity to go somewhere and pray, to go in the room and give some time to pray, vice versa and all that. We can help one another give ourselves to this more in our lives. And sometimes we simply don't pray as as we, we could or the, of our great privilege, we don't embark upon it very well because we simply don't plan for it, right? Sometimes it's just so practical in that way. But we need to pray realizing who we are in Christ. Justified, welcome, accepted, encouraged, encouraged to come. We pray knowing that God is for us and that, that he is with us. And we need to realize that we don't need to be great men and women of God to be used in prayer, right? I love what the brother you know, says so well, Brother Washer. I mean, there's never really been a great man of God. Just poor, pitiful men of a great God. Every man's prayers, apart from the grace of God, are feeble things, you know, but in God's hand, they're great. And when Scripture wants to get out and encourage us to pray, it doesn't, he doesn't point to Elijah and say, wow, what a great man of prayer. Man, he was just in a category by himself. Sometimes we can talk about brothers that pray in such a way that it puts them so far up here that everybody else is kind of discouraged about their own prayer life or whatever. I don't pray six hours a day, you know, or whatever. But when Scripture comes alongside and wants to encourage us, when God, through His Scripture, wants to encourage us in prayer, what's He say about Elijah in James chapter 5, 17? Man just like us. Man with a nature like ours. What is NAS, passions like ours or something? Or the KJV? Man with a nature like ours. Basically, God is saying, you see Elijah, you think, man, I can never do what Elijah did. He says, he's just like you. He had the same temptations, same struggles, all that. And when we're talking about praying big, when we're talking about being given an intercessory prayer and that, we're not talking about achieving greatness, right? We're not talking about let's be like really super spiritual that people could be impressed by us or whatever. We're not talking about that. We're, ta- we're talking about being loving, right? We're ta- it's loving to give yourself an intercessory prayer. I mean, look at, I mean, look at the needs in the world. I mean, just look at the needs for more churches and look at the needs in the brethren, the own church. There's a lot of need in our own church. And a big need is just we need to see more of the gospel. That's a continual need, right? You can labor the rest of your life on that and be greatly used of God in that way. But brethren, we're not talking about being great. We're talking about being loving. We're talking about getting God glory, right? We're saying, God, we see how it is, and you deserve more glory. You deserve more glory in this earth. The, the lamb receive, needs to receive more reward of his suffering. And it is an act of humility, too. It's not something of pride, coming before God and giving yourself an intercessory prayer. It's something saying, God, these things are too high for me. Lord, you do it. You do it, Lord. We can't do it. It's overwhelming for us, Lord, but you do it. You do it, Lord. It's an act, it's an act of humility to be before God in that way. Christ's invitation to us, he says, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Last Supper discourse covering important things that his disciples are going to need to know and what is it what is a big thing he lays out right before them. This blank check and says, "Look, I'm going to do so much through prayer. Take me at my word. 
come to me in this. I'm gonna, I want to fill your life with answered prayer. Not only just your joy in this life, though we should expect that and we will see that, but yet on the last day, right, when we see all those prayers, we had no idea how God answered those. Far abundantly more than we could ask or think. Great joy on that day. We need to pray in light of eternity, right? That, Like the brother said, that here we are, a little time on earth is like a little island, right? Just this little island surrounded by an ocean of eternity, right? Here's your life. You look at this huge map, one little dot right there, a pin dot, this gigantic map that takes up this whole stage right here, one little dot, and then the rest is just blue ocean, right? That's eternity, right? Here's your little life. But yet, God has put such a mighty weapon in our hand of prayer that in our little short time, in our little feeble prayers, to impact that ocean, right? For, God, for God's glory. That's, that's really the fight there to really give ourselves is believe God that our prayers are not in vain. That's, that's the fight. But in a way, brethren, it shouldn't be that it would be so hard to believe that, right? It shouldn't surprise us that our little weak prayers, seeking to pray, distracted though we be at times, yeah, our heart's not in it as it should be at times, it shouldn't surprise us that God would, would use our prayers in a way that would just blow our minds. That, is not, that glorifies his name, and he loves us that much that he would want to use us in that way, right? Praying knowing that our labor is not in vain. There's a place to celebrate, even prayer, right? It would be right for us after a prayer meeting to bring out this big cake and big ice cream and just celebrate all of what God just did by, the, by us just praying and all of what he will do by us praying, right? It would be right for you to set out five minutes, ten minutes, twenty minutes, whatever, a minute, praying and interceding for you to go out, go up to the new Arby's and just celebrate, right? (laughs) Just celebrate what God has done and will do through your prayers to the glory of his name, right? We need to think about that, how easy it is, think about it, how easy it is to be used by God to impact eternity. How easy did he make it? Evangelism, just go up and just open your mouth and try to say something to him about Christ. Show him the word. How easy it is in prayer. Just like, talk to God, Lord, do this. Work in it. How easy it, he, he has made it for us, right? And all the blessings of it. You know, I sometimes think about that verse... Haggai, you know, the building of the temple, he seeks to encourage them. It's a picture for us in the building of the kingdom in our day. Christ building his kingdom. He says to to them, and he says to us, work, for I am with you. Give yourself to this work. I am with you in it. I'm going to bless your efforts in it. And oh, the blessing of it. The fellowship with God in it. Yes, it's true that every, not every time you come to pray, there might be times you feel discouraged after you pray. You keep, you keep on with it, right? Keep on, keep on going on with, with God in that. But there will be times when there may, there, there's burdens you didn't realize that you had. There's things that you, there, the, the glory of God welling up in your soul in a, in a way that you didn't, you didn't think could, right? I know so little of it, but brethren, I mean, it is true that God, God is for us in, the, in this thing, right? To be involved in His work, to be there in your private place of prayer, 
before the Almighty, just you and Him, and talking to Him about the needs in the world, the needs in the church, the need in your own life, the need in the lost, and knowing that God's using it. It is, it is a glorious thing. And don't you want a piece of the action of what God is doing? We were, we were made for that, to be involved, right? We want a piece of that action, right? Singles, give yourself to this thing. Older people, right? You can't go out. You can't go out to India or whatever it may be, but you can go to India in your prayers in a way, right? I mean, that, that song, Little is Much When God is in It, that would be really good to sing. That it says, are you laid aside from service, your body worn from toil and care, you can still be in the battle in the secret place of prayer. Some of you guys are getting, getting older. The reality is you can't do as much as you used to, but you can give yourself to this thing, right? And give yourself in this prayer. Make mighty impact in the comfort of your own home, right? It invigorates your day. And God will get more of the glory that he deserves if we give ourselves to this. So I want to say it not as, hey, you know, we could all look at our prayer life and feel like, man. You could look back over the years. Maybe you've been a Christian 30 years, 20 years, and think, man, I don't know if I've really taken this this battle, this, this weapon of prayer very seriously. Don't worry about that. Realize the time that you have prayed, God has used that more abundantly, far more abundantly than you could ask or think. But what about these days to come? What about this day, right? Let's give ourselves to this thing out of love, out of love for Christ, and just to be involved in what he's doing, being, being made aware of what God's doing in the world and taking our part in this great battle. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God through the, for the pulling down of strongholds. This glory of intercessory prayer, this privilege. Let's, let's pray together. And Lord, we, Lord, we just... Lord, we know we need your help in this, Lord. It is a, it is a supernatural work. Lord, we need... We need you, Lord. Lord, we need you to give us your burdens, Lord. Lord, we need you to shake us. We need, Lord, you to even more, Lord. We think about Christ. And, Lord, I need in my own life and just zeal for your house. Lord, more zeal for your house. Thinking about David there, Lord. He didn't want to lay down his head until he found a place for the name. Lord, we pray that zeal for your house would consume us. We pray that love would consume us. Lord, we pray that you might grow us in love even by praying for one another. You might help us in this thing. You might, you might, Lord, guard us from the devil in this, the accusations of the evil one that would come that seek to squelch prayer. Help us, Lord. We know it is a fight. Help us to, Lord, agonize the good agony in prayer. Help us, Lord. Help us to believe you, Lord. We know it's the enemy, but, Lord, we know sometimes it just can be our own unbelief. We pray, Lord, we'd set it aside. Lord, we pray that you'd fill us with faith. Help us to pray as we ought, Lord, in our day, this time, as the the time is just slipping by. Help us, Lord, to not be overwhelmed, but to be able to stand in the gap. And, Lord, see you do great things through prayer. Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, we don't know how to pray as we ought. Encourage us in this. And, Lord, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.